In October 2019, the state of Texas implemented its new single local sales tax rate program for online and out-of-state sellers. On this episode of ZachCast, we talk to Doug Martella of Go Virtual CFO about the new program and how it will impact sales tax collections in Texas. This is ZachCast episode five. Here we go. birthday pat hey thanks man hey we got doug martella hey guys in studio of go virtual cfo how's everybody doing hi doug we're good man we're good so full disclosure doug used to work with patrick and i at hudson oaks Uh, he has spent years as a uh, local government auditor uh, worked in local government finance now he's the owner of go virtual cfo so doug's going to be in studio with us as we talk about the single local tax rate which is a new uh, tax rate on remote sales from out-of-state uh, online vendors. So um, this is something that went into effect October 1st. So it has not started to show up yet on, on Texas City's sales tax data. Uh, it will in December, but it's kind of complicated and it's definitely different. Uh, we thought it might be a good opportunity just to, just to do a quick deep dive and discuss how it's going to affect us. So Patrick, why don't you give us a little background on that Wayfair decision, the Supreme Court ruling that actually allowed this? Yeah, absolutely. So first you got to go back to 1992, where the Supreme Court decided that uh, you couldn't tax remote sellers. Remote sellers being online website-based sales, right? That's that's what we all know as like Amazon.com. Now Amazon has started to collect and some of the largers have started to collect, but this one is the Wayfair ruling, which is also a, a big site where... In 2018, the Supreme Court came in and said, okay, the world's changed. And so now states, it is easy to collect sales tax as an online seller. We're going to get into that in a little bit more detail about how actual easy it is because it, it, it is fairly easy for people to do it. But this is a, a, a ruling from the Supreme Court that says that cities and states can now collect their local taxes on remote sellers. So should be a huge boon for local cities, there's no doubt. But the question is going to be, how does each state implement it? And in Texas, we're going to talk specifically about how Texas is implementing the wafer ruling. Right. So since June, when that ruling took effect, uh, states have been kind of trying to scramble to figure out how this is going to work. How are they going to uh, allow cities and local governments to collect this sales tax and kind of balance the ease of use on the actual taxpayer versus how is it going to roll down to the cities and how is the tax... the when I say the taxpayer, what I mean is the business that's paying the taxes, but there's also the taxpayer, the actual consumer, who's the one physically paying the taxes. Um, so the solution that the state of Texas came up with is called the single local tax rate. And essentially what this is, is a calculated tax rate that any remote online seller can opt into, and then they will charge that for their local option tax across the entire state, no matter what city or county or wherever the purchase takes place or the delivery takes place, they have the opportunity to just charge a straight, flat local tax rate. And it is important to note that in the ruling from the Supreme Court, they said it is it is legal to charge a tax rate on remote sellers as long as it does, it's not an impediment to doing business, right? Basically, what they meant is, is that small sellers need an ability or an easy ability to charge the tax without a burden of having to pay multiple different cities, right? Or multiple different local governments. Okay, so this single local tax rate went into effect October 1st. The way that it's calculated is important to understand because uh, the choices that were made 
in the formula uh, are obvious in terms of, you know, it, it makes sense that it's easy to understand, but it also does have some effects on cities and it has some, some implications uh, in terms of how that money will be allocated. So basically what the state is doing every year is they're taking the total amount of local sales taxes that are collected and they're comparing that to the total amount of state sales taxes that are collected. And whatever that ratio is, it gets applied to the state sales tax rate. And then that is your single local tax rate. So for example, if there were $100 in local sales taxes last year and $340 in state sales taxes, and I understand these are not round numbers, but they're relatively close to the actual numbers. So yeah. uh, that ratio is about 30%. So what the state is doing is taking that 30%, multiplying it by the six and a quarter sales tax rate, and then they'll round to the nearest quarter. So uh, based on the data that we looked at um, last year or whenever whenever the ruling came out uh, and the proposal was, was made, that number was about 1.84%. So it would get round down to 1.75%. So if you opt in to the single local tax rate, you can charge 1.75% no matter where this, the sale occurs and then remit that to the state. The state will then distribute that that money directly to the local governments based on their pro rata amount of sales tax. Right. Yeah. So if uh, if your city generates you know half a percent of the entire local sales tax across the state, then you will get half a percent of the single local tax rate that is paid by those remote sellers. Yes, which is a huge advantage to the cities that are you know, their per capita sales tax is really high, right? Or that their actual sales tax generation in the state of Texas is really high. Right. And so this is one of the implications of this formula is that it does benefit certain cities at the expense of others. Um, you, t you take a look at, I mean, Hudson Oaks is a high per capita sales tax city. Mm -hmm. um, you take the extreme example, which we blogged about when, when this proposal uh, was made, which is Sunset Valley down in the Austin area. I think they have 800 people and 28 times the state average and per capita sales tax. Yep. It's it's a relatively affluent, but it's also surrounded by Austin. It's surrounded by affluent areas of Austin, and they have a lot of retail shopping. So uh, they are basically importing a ton of sales tax revenue. And as a result, they have a higher proportion per capita of this, the state's local revenue totals. So when this local tax rate is actually divvied up, they're going to get a higher percentage than certainly what their residents are actually purchasing. Other cities will, you know, obviously if there's a heavy on one side, there's going to be a light on the other. So some cities will get hurt. They will receive less than their residents are actually paying. Um, but in order to make the whole system as easy as possible to understand, that's how it works. So just to clarify, this is an opt in for businesses, right? Yes. If a business does not opt in, that's a great question, Doug. Look at you. Yeah, <laughs> He's here. <laughs> If the business does not, does not opt in, they are obligated to collect and remit the actual amount that's due. Well, let's talk about how easy that actually is, right? Yes. Yeah. I think it's important to talk about things like tax jar and the APIs that are out there. I, I don't even, how much is tax jar? When we looked, it was 17 bucks a month okay. for so, access to the API. And basically what you can do is you can give it an address and it will tell you what the local tax rates are. Correct. And then there are services on top of that that will actually remit your sales tax for you. Right. They can like tie into your accounting software and Doug is the accountant. I'm sure you've have had to deal with some of that stuff. Yeah. Especially tax chart can just go right into accounting software and, and distribute all that for you. Yeah. yeah. So now, I mean, yes, it does mean that you're filing several, potentially several different sales tax filings 
depending on how many cities you happen to sell in in a specific month. Um, so the threshold that was set by the state of Texas is you have to collect sales tax if you have more than five hundred thousand dollars in sales in the state. In the state, that's correct. Which yes, yeah, so so basically, so this is this is where some of the arguments kind of fall flat. I think. Mm-hmm about trying to not be onerous on on these small businesses. If you don't have a physical presence in Texas and you're selling half a million dollars worth of taxable sales remotely to Texas residents and businesses, you could probably afford 17 bucks a month for a tax jar or some other online sales platform that allows you, that, that will calculate that for you. I mean, Shopify is gonna handle that kind of stuff for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're selling through Amazon, they, well, they have a special arrangement, but still, if you're using any kind of platform for sales, they're gonna handle that for you. Yeah, let's talk about that. Amazon still has a special arrangement with the state of Texas. Despite this, yes. Yes. Okay. So, so the one thing that is going to affect Amazon is that uh, about half of their sales come from Amazon proper mm-hmm. and the other half from third parties. Those third parties were not a part of the original agreement. They will be a part of this new arrangement. Okay. So, so half of the Amazon sales that we don't receive today, we will actually receive in December. Theoretically. Yes. Yes. Correct. And it's going to take some time for everybody to collect. So what is that going to look like in the actual sales tax file that's received by the comptroller to these local governments? So the confidential file will not include any local tax rate, the single local tax rate, any information. Mm-hmm. If a, a remote seller does not opt in and they pay as normal, that will show up in your confidential report. But the single as long local- as they meet the threshold. Yes, as long as they meet your th- whatever your five hundred or five thousand dollar threshold mm-hmm. for inclusion in the report, but if you're if you're paying the if you're making five hundred thousand dollars a year in remote sales, yes. you're going to meet that threshold. So we have a threshold of five thousand dollars for cities that have a property tax, right? So if you sell five thousand dollars worth of goods, no, I'm sorry, let's let's if go you, back. If you pay five thousand in yeah. in sales taxes, state, local, whatever, all you, throughout the state, anywhere, right? Yeah, you're included in a report. Yes. Okay. If you don't have a property tax, it's $500. Okay. So you're talking $60,000 basically in taxable sales throughout the year. That threshold is, is actually pretty low. So the math on that though, so the threshold for the new remote sell is, is $500,000 mm-hmm. in sales, right? So taxable the math sales. on 5,000, if it's 8.25, is significantly less than 500,000. Right. Sales. Yeah. So if, yeah. So a remote seller who is obligated to pay or to collect and remit taxes because they meet that $500,000 threshold will show up in your confidential reports. Do you think anybody told our legislators that's a bit of a double standard? Well, I guess the question is, uh, if you're a local taxpayer, then you are paying to one jurisdiction or, or one set of overlapping jurisdictions mm-hmm. and people are coming to you to buy versus if you have a small online shop in New Hampshire and you happen to have, you know, 10 or 15 people from Texas who just go to your website and buy something and they all happen to be in different cities, yeah. then you'd have to be filing 10 different reports to the, to the state. Correct. That's the argument okay. versus just one. It's a valid argument. One interesting side effect of this is if we can kind of move on to, to you know, the impl- implications, the taxpayer themselves, the actual consumer buying a good that's taxable paying a single local tax rate. In, in many cases, this rate might be lower than what you would otherwise pay because if you're in a, a location where that full 2% local option is capped and you're paying 1.75%, okay, mm-hmm. you're making off okay. In a lot of places, especially unincorporated areas or ETJs, um, I, in particular, have saved a lot of money on sales tax goods by arguing with contractors and things like that that at my house, I don't have any local option sales taxes. So 
6.25% is all that I owe if something is taxable at my location. Um, I'm now going to be subject to pay 1.75% on all of these items. So the state understanding that this could be a problem has provided a refund mechanism. But what that means is that I now have to keep track of every single online receipt that I get and check to see if check to see what the local tax rate was, if it's 1.75 uh, or if it's something different, because I, mm-hmm. I have to know if they're a local taxpayer, right? Local lo, single local tax rate payer. Correct. Yes. They could just be charging the wrong amount, which happens frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought something this morning for some Christmas decorations, and they charged me six point seven five percent sales tax. It's like it's not one point seven five. That's not. It's nothing. It's just a number. Correct. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. So I have to keep track of all that, and then vet it, verify it, and then submit that to the comptroller and hope to get a refund for my overpayments. So what's interesting though is that a it is not necessarily illegal in the state of Texas for somebody to charge a tax and then not remit it to the comptroller. In fact, businesses are permitted to collect the full local option tax, even if they don't owe it, but they're not required to remit what they collect. Well, if you, so if say I had a business at my house at which was a seller of taxable goods yes, and my location was where those Payments were processed. Yes, I could charge the full 2% local option. This is my understanding mm-hmm. because I am allowed to collect it, but I don't have a jurisdiction to, to report to. Correct. So if I did send it, most likely it would show up. It would get trickled down through that unidentified uh, unidentified taxes uh-huh. uh, or collections line item on your on the, like the public side of the sales tax data. But what if you didn't send it? Aren't you just making 2% more? Theoretically, you yes. Mm-hmm. So my, my question is, the, the big issue is if you then go and try to get a refund for the remote sales tax and it was never remitted to the comptroller, how in the world is the comptroller going to watch and track all those sales? It will be difficult. I guess they assume that someone from out of state probably doesn't have the time or resources to read through the entire sales tax code and figure out that that could be a potential way to make a couple extra bucks. No, but somebody who knows how to program software could figure that out and create a quick API and know what tax didn't have to be remitted. Even if you were charging a 1.75, right? And this remote sales tax, if you charge that, you still have the opportunity to collect that on everybody and not remit it for people you wouldn't have to remit it for. So Doug, surely there's gotta be some sort of penalty for that. There's not. (laughs) That's, that's the interesting thing. So let's talk about this though, from, um, from a logistical standpoint, if you're a business and you're, when you're ringing up on the point of sale, you have a line item for taxes, right? That's going to get booked into a specific account in your GL, right? Correct. So I, unless you just misname it in your accounts, it's going to say local sales taxes. Correct. So you're going to have to distinguish between legitimate local sales taxes and ones that you're keeping, right? That seems like it might be kind of difficult. If you collect sales tax, it should go to a liability and that liability should be paid to the to the state. Whether you reclass that liability to revenue, that's that's the argument there. That's what you're getting at. That's correct. That's what that's exactly what I'm getting at. Because when you're talking about, you know, look, when you're talking about five hundred thousand dollars in sales, it's probably not that much money, right? When you're talking specifically about millions of dollars in sales or a billion, you know, for some of these remote sellers, it could be a lot of money in that one point seven five percent difference there, or two percent. Gave me flashbacks of Justin Timberlake there. (laughs) (laughs) So. But I mean, look, there's so many different ways to game this system. I'm, I'm unsure why the state decided to have a refund process to begin with. 
how are they ever going to show that they received that money from the per- from from the the person that you bought it from? So you're concerned. This is funny. You're concerned that the state's going to be reimbursing money that they never collected. That is correct. I'm concerned that there's going to be no easy way to say I for sure paid the single local tax rate, and you owe me money. I think that there's going to be a roadblock before you get to the reimbursement part. You're going to see it though on your on your receipt, right? You're going to see that 1.75%. Typically, typically they don't show you the percentage. You'll have to calculate it, and they almost almost never break it down by uh, state versus local, especially for an online seller who is not concerned with state versus local. They're just concerned about what the total tax rate I'm supposed to charge. So if you get uh, a receipt and it shows 8% sales tax, you might be able to assume that they are a single local taxpayer, but they may just have put the wrong number in there, right? So no, like, I, yeah, I don't disagree, but I'm trying to put myself in the comptroller's position, right? That is going to be incredibly difficult. It should go all the back to the way you, you set it up with the comptroller, right? When you actually set up your your business and your tax rate and you'd select what you're actually paying. Correct. Yes. That would, that would kind of mitigate that problem. Cause yeah. you have to opt in with the comptroller to, you do, to but, the rate. So when I send the comptroller a printout and I buy a lot of stuff online, which I mean, I just, I do a lot of them are small purchases, but we don't buy a ton at local stores just because it's easier. Now, a lot of the stuff we buy is from Amazon, but still I'm gonna have to save hundreds potentially of receipts print them out, email them. I don't know. Send them to the comptroller. They're gonna have to look at each one and say, Oh wait, uh, yada, yada.com. Let me check the files to see if they're a single local tax rate payer. And then just check off the ones that are and give them the, give me a refund. First of all, I would bet less than a hundred people in the entire state are going to file for refunds because most people don't even know about a single local tax rate. There's been no, there's not been no, uh, you know, broadcasting or I'm going to take the over on that one, by the way, but it's not going to be much more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Exaggerating a little bit. I was exaggerating for emphasis, but still the average consumer, I would bet if you walked around and asked people at Walmart or whatever, they have no idea. They don't even know what their local tax rate is. They just assume it's one and a a quarter. You tell them, Oh, Hey, by the way, are you familiar with this new single local tax rate? Their eyes are going to glaze over. And then you tell them that there's now a refund policy. They would, they would have no idea. there's, There's really no incentive to, publicize it it's in there to say if in case someone asks they can say oh well we put this in there to save you know to protect you as the rural or you know non-urban online shopper it's 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 just cover uh, i agree there's a lot of room here for somebody to make some money <laughs> from a software standpoint right so when the the single local tax rate was first publicized and yes. first actually released that's the first thing we talked about is hmm I wonder if there was a service where you could forward your emails and it would parse the email receipts and then give you, (laughs) give you a refund filing. Um, I think it's still a great idea. So if anyone listening has interest in, uh, in working on that with me, I'm happy to help, but I just don't have the time right now to to devote to it. Correct. Yes. But yeah, definitely some opportunity there. I, I see it more as not like an app. I see it as like a browser extension as like a honey if you ever use that it's in your browser idea. that idea. like shows you what the coupons are for that. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a browser extension that just identifies as a receipt on the screen, screenshots it, puts it away for you. But now we're getting into nuts and bolts of what this product would look like. If anybody wants to build this product, I'd be so. interested <laughs> to know if the state will have a list of a list of those who have opted in because I, I mean, I you think could potentially would... go by domain yeah. and say, Oh, well you're on a single local taxpayer. So make sure you pay attention. Wow. That's interesting too. 
And that's going to be open That's not record. something you could pay for, though. No, but it's going to be open record. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, you should be able to get that information. So speaking of open records, let's kind of wrap up here with a couple of uh, a couple of final things. Um, the, we talked a little bit about it. This These single local tax rate pairs will not be included in your confidential report. They will show up on the public reports where you see current collections, future collections, mm-hmm. uh, audit collections. You'll see a single local tax rate collections. So they'll be at the top level, but they won't filter down into your um, your actual confidential data. Okay. And we're going to then bring that in as a taxpayer in the Zach tax somehow. No, no, it'll just show up at the top level on your collections page. Okay. Final thing. And this is kind of just a mechanical thing, you know, in terms of how the formula works. Um, but those of you as local officials who are hoping that since this formula gets rounded to the nearest quarter, hoping that maybe one day it'll go up to 2%. Don't hold your breath. Uh, the way that it sta- the way that it works, it's, basically guaranteed to to fall and fall and fall each year the actual raw collection percentage mm-hmm. most likely it'll just stop at 1.75 but because the state gets the full credit for these online sales and local governments are only getting about 95 percent credit as it stands right now if we're at 1.84 percent collections and we're getting less than that percentage you know less than full credit for this new tax that just means that the state's share is going to get bigger and bigger which means that that percentage will drop lower and lower and it's going to probably stabilize at 1.75. So don't get your hopes up that we might get lucky and get 2% on this local tax rate and you'll, you'll get a, a temporary boost. The other comment I would make as we wrap this up is I wouldn't, I would not think we're going to see a significant boost in dollars to local governments with this new rule. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't count on it being, yeah. being huge. I think most major sellers, online remote sellers have already implemented some form of, of local sales tax at this point. And so you've already really seen the boost uh, from this. You're not going to see it uh, in your December check. I would agree with that. We've already seen a lot of Amazon going on. Correct. In the in the Zach world. So I think it's already been implemented by some of those big, big companies. Yeah, the major players have already implemented it. Cool. Well, that is the single local tax rate. It's a lot of fun. Look for it in your sales tax data starting next month, December 2019. Doug, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you all next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Show notes for this episode will be available at zaccast.com slash five. We'll see you next time.